Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a board-certified OBGYN and fertility physician and also co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. With the goal of educating and empowering women, each week on this podcast, I discuss health and fertility and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the As a Woman podcast. Today, we are going to talk about emergency contraception because I think there are some things that you need to know if you are not looking to be pregnant at this moment. And I think there's things that you may need to know, even if you're trying to get pregnant, but that may help a friend, a loved one, or somebody else in your life. And in today's current world, we all need to act together so that we can learn as much about our bodies and how to protect ourselves as possible. So I'm so thankful you're here so we can dive into this today. But first, I'm going to talk about fertility in the news. Today, I want to talk about an article that was published in the New York Times, Deleting Your Period Tracker Won't Protect You. This was published June 30th, 2022, so just a few days after Roe v. Wade had been overturned. What this article is talking about is should you delete your period tracking app? And I know that a lot of us have been saying this, that that information could potentially be used against you. We have seen period tracker app data sold in the past and exposed and people's private data was given to other people. And even though many period tracking apps are coming out and saying that that's not going to happen, we really want to think about how to protect yourself best in case you found yourself in the position of potentially pregnant in a state that no longer allows abortion. One thing I found really interesting is just the history of reproductive rights and where we've come. So this article starts out by talking about in 1972, Chicago police raided a high-rise apartment where a group called the Jane Collective was providing abortions. This was about a year before the Supreme Court's Roe v. Wade decision, and so women did not have the right to an abortion at that moment. Seven women were arrested. Two of them had names and addresses of patients and index cards in their purses. And according to the history written in a book called The Story of Jane, these women destroyed the cards. They tore them up and ate little pieces of them because they were so fearful if authorities found that information that some of their patients could be vulnerable. We are living in a completely different world now with technology, and we have to be wise to what technology means. Also in this article, Cynthia Conti-Cook is a civil rights lawyer, and she's a technology fellow at the Ford Foundation. She's researched prosecutions of pregnant people who were accused of feticide or killing fetuses or endangering their fetuses, and she's looked at the digital evidence that was used against them. So she published in 2020, and her point is that even though period tracker apps could possibly be used against you, there is other digital data that has been used to criminalize people in the past 
And that is what we really need to pay attention to. So for example, the text to your sister that says, oh man, I'm pregnant. The search history for abortion pills. The visitation to websites that have information on how to get an abortion or where to get an abortion. Miss Conti Cook also talked about a case of Lattice Fisher. She was a Mississippi woman who was charged with second-degree murder in 2017 after having a stillbirth at home. The investigators downloaded the contents of her phone. Y'all, this was 2017. Roe v. Wade still very well in action, but they downloaded her internet search history. And she admitted to conducting internet searches about how to induce a miscarriage and how to buy pregnancy terminating medicine like mifeprestone and mesoprostol. But she did not do those things. She truly had a stillbirth. After significant public attention, the case was eventually dropped. But this should make you see how vulnerable we are. There was another case of Pervy Patel, who in Indiana sent text messages to her friend talking about taking abortion pills late in her pregnancy. She was originally convicted and sentenced to 20 years. She later did appeal and had her sentence reduced, but again, her text messages were used against her. So your text messages, websites you go to, your Google searches, that's much stronger evidence than your period tracking app. There is also concern about smartphone location data, especially when it comes to a state trying to limit your ability to go to another state to obtain an abortion or abortion medications. So that is also something to be aware of. And even if you are not seeking an abortion, let's think back about what you could be charged with. What if somebody says that you did do that? What data could be used to incriminate you, even if you did have a stillbirth like Gladys Fisher, or what if you just had a miscarriage? So this is a very scary time that we're living in because prior to Roe v. Wade, there was not all this technology. There was not all this personal data accessible on apps and in the internet. There was no Google search history. So we need to be really mindful about what we are putting in writing and the websites we are going to. So even though you might want to consider deleting a period tracker app and learning to track your cycles another way. You really want to be mindful about all of the other things that have been used to prosecute people in the past. Websites, Google searches, and your email and your texts. That digital history lives with you. So be careful and mindful about it. All right. Well, I find that it is a timely time to talk about emergency contraception. As an OBGYN and a fertility doctor, my life's mission is to help people get pregnant and have the family that they want, but that also means having the family at the time that is right for you. We all may have moments of our life where we might not want to be pregnant, and there are about a million circumstances that you might find yourself in that you may try to choose something to protect yourself. Contraception, preventative contraception, is by far and away the best and the smartest option. So if you can get on oral contraceptive pills, or have an IUD placed, or an implant like Implanon or Nexplanon, use the ring. Those are all methods of contraception that are highly effective. We have to remember that the pull-out method or the calendar method are less effective methods of preventing a pregnancy. Condoms can be good. They definitely prevent against sexually transmitted infections, but you have to make sure you're using them appropriately. And so what happens if the condom breaks? What happens if you missed a pill? 
What happens if you find yourself after a sexual encounter that you do not consent to and you're fearful that you could get pregnant and you're fearful, especially now in the political world, that you may have limited options once that pregnancy has been achieved? This is the world of emergency contraception. The point of emergency contraception is to prevent a pregnancy. And I'm going to say that again. The point of emergency contraception is to prevent a pregnancy. There are haters out there who will tell you that emergency contraception, that they're abortifacients, meaning that they cause abortions. That is false. Let's define abortion. An abortion is a pregnancy that does not end in a viable baby. So any pregnancy that ends before viability is an abortion. However, it's a pregnancy. You must be pregnant in order to have an abortion. And again, abortion is a medical word that we use all the time. I know it carries a lot of stigma socially and politically. However, if we just think about it, you can have a spontaneous abortion. That's a miscarriage. You can have a missed abortion. That's also called a missed miscarriage. That's like a blighted ovum or a baby that lost its heartbeat, but you've not bled yet. You can have an incomplete miscarriage, hemorrhaging, you're bleeding, but all the placenta or fetal fragments have not been expelled. You can have septic abortions where you're in the process of having a miscarriage and the tissue inside gets infected. You can have ectopic pregnancies. Those count as abortions. So there's all these different things that are non-viable pregnancies that are ending or you're losing them. All of that being said, you must be pregnant in order to then have an abortion. And we think about medical terms, we talk about your pregnancies, and then we talk about the outcome of the pregnancies. So if you use emergency contraception, you're preventing a pregnancy. You're not allowing that pregnancy to start. So you're not causing an abortion, you're preventing a pregnancy. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. I choose Ritual Multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited that summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside, enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team 
a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Now, in order to understand emergency contraception, we do have to understand a little bit about your menstrual cycle. So the best way to think about this is just to understand that every month you have a group of eggs and from this group, one of these eggs is chosen to grow, stimulated from a hormone from the brain called follicle-stimulating hormone or FSH. FSH allows one egg to grow. As that egg grows, it matures and makes estrogen and then it ovulates. After it ovulates, the follicle where the egg grew reforms, becomes a corpus luteum, and it makes progesterone. That progesterone is essential to support an pregnancy. And if you do not get pregnant, the corpus luteum can only live for 14 days. The corpus luteum will then die. You will have a drop of progesterone and you'll get a period. Now, the egg, once it's released, only lives for approximately 24 hours. It, most of the time, gets sucked up by the fallopian tube. So the fallopian tube and the ovary are not actually connected the fallopian tube has this fimbria, kind of the broad, like feather-like end, and that sucks up the egg to get the egg into the fallopian tube. Fertilization occurs in the fallopian tube. So sperm can live in the reproductive tract for up to five days. And if there is not sperm waiting there for that egg or arriving in the next 24 hours after that egg has been released, then fertilization is not going to happen. Fertilization also requires the egg and the outer membrane called the zona pellucida to be allowed to be fertilized by sperm. It relies on the appropriate fallopian tube environment. It relies on appropriate movement through the fallopian tube. And then it requires implantation about five or six days later when that embryo, which has now reached a stage of development called a blastocyst, reaches the uterus. That is when implantation can first occur. When that implantation starts to occur, the pregnancy then attaches to the maternal blood supply. HCG, or the pregnancy hormone known as human chorionic gonadotropin, that's the hormone you can check on a pregnancy test, begins to be secreted, which supports that corpus luteum from the ovary even more, and more progesterone is made. So there's communication between the pregnancy and the ovary and brain in order to make progesterone to keep the pregnancy going. And that's one reason why we think some miscarriages happen. The pregnancy does not make enough HCG, probably because it's genetically abnormal or its cells are not dividing appropriately. And that is a feedback mechanism to tell the body something's not right with this pregnancy and your body prevents it from continued growth. So humans can only be pregnant so many times and that's why our body has this really tight regulation system. The reality is, and we know this from IVF studies, most eggs do not become embryos. Most eggs do not become babies. So your chances of getting pregnant per month, even when you're young and everything's amazing, is at its best about 25% per month. So most eggs do not at all become fertilized, go into the right stage of an embryo, or implant to give us a positive pregnancy test. 
when you get that positive pregnancy test, you are approximately four weeks pregnant. And I think this is important to understand. This terminology is real old. So people have been talking about pregnancies since as long as there were people because it's a curious thing about how you grow a baby inside somebody. So we didn't originally know when or how ovulation occurred. And so in that time frame, the only way to try to figure it out was to count back to when a person had her last period. And the first day of that last menstrual period started to become the dating time frame for the pregnancy. And so they would count out the weeks from that last period until you gave birth, and it was approximately 40 weeks. But in actuality, with that, now we know you ovulate at the two-week mark. So even when there's no sperm around, you're two weeks pregnant at the time of ovulation. An embryo implants approximately two weeks and five days pregnant and you get a positive pregnancy test at about four weeks. You can't see a pregnancy on ultrasound till about five and a half weeks pregnant, and you can't hear a heartbeat until after six weeks. But the baby's not really six weeks old, right? That embryo did not even form until just a few weeks prior to that. So the entire nomenclature of timing is a very interesting thing. It's important to understand that to understand contraception. Contraception works in a variety of different ways, Let's talk about the birth control pill really quickly. The birth control pill is made of ethanol estradiol, a type of synthetic estrogen, and a type of progesterone. There's tons of different types of progestins. These are combined. That's why it's called the combined oral contraceptive pill. And these hormones together work to tell the brain to stop sending out FSH. Remember, FSH is what grows an egg. Now, also what happens is because of that progesterone, the lining of the uterus stays thin, and you get bonus side effects of having very light, non-painful periods if you're taking the birth control pill. But it works by preventing ovulation. So when we're talking about emergency contraception, there's a few different things that you can use. One of the most common ones or something most people are familiar with is something called Plan B or the morning after pill. Essentially, these are high doses of levonorgestrel, which is a type of progesterone much, much higher doses than you would have in a birth control pill by any method, but it was enough progesterone that it primarily works by preventing ovulation. So even if there is sperm, if there's no egg, there's no fertilization. And also high doses of progesterone change the lining of the uterus, so it makes the uterus less hospitable for implantation. Now you can use emergency progesterone contraception for up to five days from when you had unprotected intercourse. It is, however, most effective the closer to the active intercourse you take it. Best within 72 hours, but sooner the better. There is some controversy over if Plan B will be as effective if you weigh a little bit more. So if you weigh over 165 pounds, you might want to consider taking a medication called Ella which is a little bit different. Ella is something called Yolopristol. It's actually a progesterone receptor modulator, meaning it stops your body from using progesterone that is made. There really are no serious side effects from either of these medications. Some people might get a little bit of an upset stomach, but it certainly can mess up your period, meaning you might get some spotting, your period may come early. So just be aware. Plan B is also called the morning after pill. This is not the abortion pill. The abortion pill, RU46, also known as mifeprestone, that is totally different. It ends a pregnancy by blocking progesterone. So remember, progesterone is essential for a pregnancy. That's what the corpus luteum makes or HCG helps you make. So the abortion pill 
blocks progesterone. Pregnancy needs progesterone to survive. Pregnancy can't survive. You have an abortion. Only works, only works before the placenta has fully taken root. Because once the placenta is making progesterone, then it's a whole different ballgame. So are you 46 is best if you're eight weeks or less. So still very early in pregnancy to have medical abortion pills work. However, very, very different from the morning after pill or emergency contraception, which is a high-dose progesterone. So it is just a high-dose of levonorgestrel like Plan B. Again, you want to take it closer to when the act occurred. That's one form of emergency contraception. Another form is actually a copper IUD. It is the most effective form of emergency contraception. So did you know you could call your OBGYN and go in for an emergency visit for a copper IUD? You will need to tell them that it is an emergency visit, like it's urgent because you need emergency contraception. You need to say the words, emergency contraception. That way they can get you in in time so that they can put the copper IUD in place. The copper IUD works totally different. The copper causes an inflammatory reaction that prevents you from getting pregnant. It is not going to work if you're already pregnant. So again, does not cause an abortion. But if you have one placed within five days of having unprotected intercourse, it is the most effective method of emergency contraception, near 100%. Plan B and L is closer to 85 to 90%. So 100%. And that's because, think about it, the egg is released. It has 24 hours to become fertilized. Then after that, it has five to six days to reach the uterine cavity to implant. So as long as you're getting that IUDN before then, you're not going to have implantation. You're not going to get pregnant. Now, you can also use hormonal IUDs like a Mirena or a Liletta. So those are IUDs that make progesterone. They work a little bit differently, but same premise applies. The progesterone makes it so that you cannot get pregnant. You can get an IUD. So that is a secondary form. So high dose of progesterone, or you can get an IUD placed. Both of these need to be done within five days of having unprotected intercourse. There's a third option that's kind of old school, but I think this is the moment in time to talk about it. It's called the YUSP method. Now, the YUSP method is a form of emergency contraception that used to be used back in the 1970s. It is clearly going to be the least effective form of emergency contraception, but in case you find yourself with no other options, this is something that you should know about it. The YUSP method involves taking regular combined birth control pills. So what we're thinking about is those combined oral contraceptive pills that we talked about at the beginning with estrogen and progesterone. What you're going to do is use those. So a progesterone-only pill like the mini pill, that is not going to get the job done. But what you're going to need to do in this circumstance is you're going to have to look at your pill and determine exactly how much of the right ingredients it has. So every combined oral contraceptive pill has ethanol estradiol. Most pills are going to have 0.02 or 0.03 of ethanol estradiol and then a different dose of a type of progestin, levonorgestrel or norgestrel or norethindrone. So it, you are going to take two doses about 12 hours apart. You need to have at least 0.1 milligrams of ethanol estradiol. So if your pill has 0.02 milligrams of ethanol estradiol, you need at least 0.1. That means you're going to have to take five pills at once and then five pills at the next time. For the progesterone component, you need at least 0.5 milligrams of levonorgestrel or one milligram of norgestrel or norgestrone. 
So that number you need to look at, it's probably going to be about the same. But in general, you're going to need about five birth control pills and then take five again about 12 hours later. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. Similarly to the other methods, it works by preventing a pregnancy in a few different forms. It can also prevent ovulation, the release of an egg, because that progesterone interferes with normal ovulatory patterns. It also messes up the luteal phase because you get the uterus exposed to progesterone too early and can change the endometrium. Remember, the endometrium is very hormonally sensitive for implantation. And it can, in theory, change the cervical mucus too. That's one way how combined oral contraceptive pills can prevent a pregnancy. So this is a very safe method of emergency contraception. It does, however, have some more side effects because you're taking these high doses. Number one is going to be nausea and vomiting. So if you have access to any anti-emetics, which are anti-nausea medications like Zofran or Finergan, you might want to consider taking that at the same time because this is not going to work if you throw it up. You have to keep the medication down. And just like other progesterone-based medications, you may get vaginal spotting, you may get an earlier abnormal period for the cycle after, that is all fine. If we look at success rates for these different methods, a paragard, so a copper IUD, has about a 99.9% chance of working, so highly effective. Ella or Olopristol is also highly effective at 98%. Levonorgestrel, like your plan B, your morning after pill that you can get over the counter, 87%. And the ESP method, 74%. These all work in similar ways, just slight variations. They're only going to be effective if you take them within 120 hours or five days of having intercourse. And they are going to be most effective within 72 hours or three days. So the sooner you take these medications, the better. I truly hope you find yourself never in the position that you need emergency contraception, but if you do, you should be able to access it. Currently, right now, Roe v. Wade has not prevented anyone from accessing emergency contraception. Contraception is still permitted. Are we fearful that that may change in some states? Absolutely. You can also get emergency contraception from a local pharmacy, but you can also visit 3forfreedom.com organization started by a friend of mine, Dr. Jen Lincoln. She has put together some resources to help you get access to number one, preventative contraception, number two, emergency contraception, and number three, medical abortion pills. So feel free to research there so that you can be prepared in case something happens and you want to protect yourself or someone you love. 
All right. Well, now it is time for one of my favorite segments, FFS, for fertility's sake. This is where I answer your fertility-related questions. These are questions that you have submitted through on Instagram. So if you want to have a question submitted and answered for fertility's sake, you can follow along at Natalie Crawford MD and submit your questions every Monday. Question number one, what can cause a hydrosalpinx? So a hydrosalpinx is a dilated fallopian tube. Its name means water on the tube. What usually this means is that the fallopian tube has been damaged and scarred, and then normal fluid, which typically would pass through the tube, accumulates and the tube becomes dilated. This not only means the tube is non-functional, but it also decreases the chance of getting pregnant, even if the other tube is fine. In a good study looking at IVF pregnancies, if a patient had a hydrosalpinx in place, they had a 50% decrease in pregnancy rates. And we think that's because that fluid inside that tube may be somewhat toxic to an embryo implanting. We don't really know all the causes of hydrosalpinx, but definitely we do know some of them. History of a prior sexually transmitted infection like chlamydia is one of the top. History of endometriosis. Endometriosis is a surgical diagnosis, so you may have endometriosis and not know. Signs of endometriosis can be painful periods, pain with intercourse, abnormal GI or bowel changes when you have your period. You could also have had prior abdominal surgery or any inflammatory process like IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, or a ruptured or highly inflamed appendix. That can also damage fallopian tubes. Sometimes you have no idea, no symptoms of having a hydrosalpinx. It's something that can be detected upon fertility evaluation, sometimes seen on transvaginal ultrasound, but typically diagnosed with an x-ray test called an HSG or a hysterosalpingogram, which is a dye test to look inside the uterus and at the fallopian tubes. You do need to get hydrosalpinx removed if you find them. Even if you're doing IVF or even if you have a normal other tube, the tube that is dilated and damaged needs to come out. That way you can have the highest chance of success possible. Question number two, I'm freezing eggs, not embryos in Texas. How will that change or will it look differently moving forward? We currently don't have any reason to believe that freezing eggs or even freezing embryos is going to change at the current moment. Under the current law, even though Roe v. Wade has been overturned, there's nothing to indicate that IVF care in this state must be different. Now, at the moment, every state is very unique. Different laws are passed. So you would want to talk to a fertility clinic near you to understand what the truth is. But even in some of these more conservative states, we don't really see a world where egg freezing would be something that would be up for debate. It's more of the disposition or what happens to embryos that we think will be the first thing that potentially could be impacted by some of these bills. Question number three, if you could go back in time and freeze your eggs while you were in medical training, would you have done it? Absolutely, yes. This is not something that was available when I was back in training because it was still experimental because I'm that old. But absolutely, it gives you more freedom down the road. It keeps more doors open. It would have made my fertility journey a lot easier. So if you have the ability to do this and you are purposefully delaying a pregnancy to chase dreams like becoming a doctor, you should absolutely consider it. Question number four, can you ever increase your AMH? This is a good question where you need to understand what AMH is. You can always go back to the episode, which was the first one of this season called fertility testing. But in short, what happens is every month you have a group of eggs that is all released from what I like to consider the vault inside the ovary. 
Each of these eggs grows inside a follicle, and as we discussed earlier in this episode, the brain sends out follicle-stimulating hormone, or FSH, which allows one of these eggs to grow and develop and ovulate. However, all of the other eggs then die, and the next month you have another group come out. The size of the group, like the number of eggs that comes out of the vault, is proportional to how many eggs are inside the vault. So when you have more eggs remaining, aka you're younger, you're going to have more eggs coming out of the vault. Somebody who's 28 to 30 is typically going to have about 20 eggs coming out of the vault. One egg will ovulate and the rest will die. As you get older or have fewer eggs remaining inside the vault, fewer eggs come out every month. Somebody who's closer to 40 is going to have 8 to 10 eggs coming out of the vault. So the number of eggs that comes out of the vault on average changes based on how many eggs you have remaining. Now, AMH is anti-mullerian hormone, and it's a blood test. If you walk in somewhere and you say, I want to test my fertility, they're going to draw an AMH level. AMH is made from the cells that surround all of the follicles outside the vault. So if you have more eggs in the vault, more come out every month, you have a higher AMH. When you have fewer eggs in the vault, fewer come out every month, and you have a lower AMH. However, the body's not perfect. So if you're 30 and 20 eggs is normal, if we look at each month, you're going to have an actual number of eggs. One month, you may have 20 and then 18 and then 22 and then 17 and then 21. The average is 20, but each month is a little bit different. And your AMH will differ from all of those months. If I checked an AMH, every one of those months is going to be something different. So even though it may look like your AMH increases, it could just be normal variability. That is typically the case. Your AMH doesn't actually increase, meaning you don't get more eggs, but you certainly can have more eggs released in a later month than you do earlier. The only other caveat here is prolonged use of contraceptives, whether it's the NuvaRing or oral contraceptive pills, anything that prevents ovulation and puts your ovaries in a quiet state for a prolonged period of time does decrease the production of AMH also. That is temporary and not permanent, but we have seen people who are on combined birth control pills for many, many years. We check an AMH and it's really low. When they stop the pill and we repeat it a couple months later, their AMH may be back in their normal range. So that is something to know if you are getting your fertility tested and you're on birth control, that if it's normal, fantastic, no big deal. But if it's low, you'll have to consider is the birth control playing a role in having that AMH be lower? All right. And last question is I have unexplained infertility. I've been on metformin for three years and I've done three rounds of IUI. What is next with lots of question marks? Science is actually really clear on this one. Unexplained infertility doesn't mean that nothing is wrong. It means nothing that's easy to test is wrong. You ovulate, the sperm is normal, the fallopian tubes are open, and the uterus is normal. When you have unexplained infertility, we are very concerned that there's either a fertilization defect, an environmental component such as inflammation or toxins inside the body, or egg or sperm quality, something that there's no easy test for. It is very clear that after three rounds of IUI for unexplained infertility, the next appropriate step is IVF. IVF is the treatment of choice for unexplained infertility because it's the only thing that overcomes some of those other factors, meaning it's the only thing that makes you put a sperm inside an egg so you can ensure fertilization happens. It's the only thing that changes the environment of which the early embryos are growing in. They're not now in the fallopian tube. They're growing in that perfect lab environment where there's no toxins or inflammation and it's the right pH and the right temperature. And it's the only thing that allows us to select the best embryos and do genetic testing. 
so that we can have the highest quality embryos utilized for transfer. IVF is the only thing that exceeds natural conception rates, so your age plays a big role here, but it is by far and away gold standard for unexplained. And if you've already done three IUIs, the next step is IVF. So please schedule an appointment with a fertility doctor to talk that through. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and this week's segment of FFS. So if you want to ask your question, you can always go to Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD and ask every Monday and then listen to see if your question is answered here. Thanks, friends. Thank you all for listening to As a Woman. It would mean so much if you could rate, review, and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every Sunday. I hope you learned something new, and I hope you share it with someone in your life. Be sure to follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD, and check out the YouTube channel, Natalie Crawford MD. If you're interested in becoming a patient, you can also follow Fora Fertility. I'm so thrilled to have you here, part of the community that amplifies others as a woman. 